August 1st. As we turn our attention to the New Testament now, we'll be reading in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 through 22. We'll uh, read about a debt to the weak. You see, the strong must bear the weak and help them grow. And you know what that takes? It takes love and patience and unselfishness. It takes mature believers to do this. If we live to please ourselves, we will not follow the examples of Christ who lived to please the Father and help others. And we'll read about a debt to the lost. God saved the Jews so that they might reach the Gentiles and lead them in praising the Lord. And there is a debt to Israel. The Gentiles are indebted to the Jews, and that debt is paid by praying for them, witnessing to them in love, and sharing our material gifts to assist them. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. August 1st, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 22. We, Paul, and other Christians may know that these things make no difference, but we cannot just go ahead and do them to please ourselves. We must be considerate of the doubts and fears of those who think these things are wrong. We should please others. If we do what helps them, we will build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't please Himself. As the Scriptures say, Those who insult you are also insulting me. Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, then God will be glorified. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises He made to their ancestors. And He came so the Gentiles might also give glory to God for His mercies to them. This is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice, O you Gentiles, along with His people the Jews. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise Him, all you people of the earth. And the prophet Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hopes on Him. So I pray that God, who gives you hope, will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in Him. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am fully convinced, dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you are able to teach others all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to emphasize some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder from me. For I am, by God's grace, a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news and offer you up as a fragrant sacrifice to God, so that you might be pure and pleasing to Him by the Holy Spirit. So it is right for me to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. 
I dare not boast of anything else. I have brought the Gentiles to God by my message, and by the way I lived before them. I have won them over by the miracles done through me as signs from God, all by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ, all the way from Jerusalem clear over into Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the Scriptures, where it says, Those who have never been told about Him will see, and those who have never heard of Him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. I received a phone call a while back from a friend that I hadn't heard from in a long time, and so I was very excited to hear his voice. I picked up the phone and said, How you doing? Okay, he said, but in a way that made it pretty clear that he wasn't, and it didn't take long for him to tell me why. It was because he had lost something. I've lost my faith, he said. I don't believe in Jesus anymore. He grew up believing in Jesus. He taught his kids about Jesus. His kids still believe in Jesus and go to church, and he's glad for that, but... He just said that he doesn't believe anymore. He doesn't have faith. Ever worry that the same thing might one day happen to you? Do you ever worry about losing your faith? It happened for my friend shortly after there had been some major flooding in the state of Texas. And he said that it was really painful. He watched all these news stories about people dying, including little children, and he just wondered why a loving God would ever allow something like that to happen. And I had been paying attention to the news, and I had seen many of the same stories, and there were some pretty tragic ones. For example, there is a story about a mom named Colette who was driving her three-year-old daughter in their truck through the floodwaters trying to get to safety, but eventually the waters were too high and she couldn't drive any longer. And the waters continued to rise, and so she knew she had to get out of her truck. And so she grabbed her three-year-old daughter. They exited the truck, but as soon as they did, the powerful current swept them away. And Colette struggled to keep both her head and the head of her daughter above the water, and she couldn't do both. As they flew down the rapids, eventually a rescue team that was in a boat, they saw them coming and they were able to pull both of them into their rescue boat just before they would have disappeared underneath a bridge. When they landed in the boat, the three-year-old was cold but alive. Colette was unresponsive. The three-year-old lived, but Colette died. She died saving her daughter's life. Now, I know that when we hear stories like that, it can fill our minds with all sorts of questions. Questions about God, questions about when and why he acts, and when and why he doesn't. And I wish I knew an answer to every last one of them. I don't. I do, however, know this. That when God looked down from heaven and saw us struggling, he didn't stay away. He put on human skin, dove right into the rapids, and eventually climbed across where he was assaulted by the high waters of hell that, that we can't even imagine, all while holding our fragile souls that are so troubled by life and troubled by sin above the water so that we could breathe in the reality of being forgiven, of anything that might ever separate us from him, and the reality of knowing that one day we will taste the best of heaven with our own palate. And not because our faith is so great because that's exactly what Jesus promises will happen. In John chapter 10, Jesus said this to his, about his disciples. He said, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Maybe our grip on him is sometimes pretty weak, but his grip on us, it isn't. Today we're reading Psalm 25. Verses 1 through 15, 
And this psalm is helpful when you're making decisions and seeking God's will. What kind of people does God guide? Well, those who glorify Him. If you want His will for His glory, He will show you the right path. If you have selfish motives, He may let you have your way, and then you will regret it. He guides those who wait. Hey, you're not wasting time when you wait on the Lord in prayer. So keep your eyes on the Lord and let Him have His way. He knows where He's going and what He's doing. So follow Him by faith, even when you don't understand. You know, the enemy was slandering David again, as we'll read here in this psalm, and he had no way to vindicate himself. Samuel Johnson called slander the revenge of a coward, and it is. What should you do when people spread lies about you? Psalm 25, verses 1 through 15, a psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced, or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your unfailing love and compassion, which you have shown from long ages past. Forgive the rebellious sins of my youth. Look instead through the eyes of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in what is right, teaching them His way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all those who keep His covenant and obey His decrees. For the honor of Your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the promised land. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear Him. With them He shares the secrets of His covenant. My eyes are always looking to the Lord for help, for He alone can rescue me from the traps of my enemies. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 13 through 15. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open, and there will be plenty to eat. The buyer haggles over the price, saying, It's worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. <laughs>